I'm a member of a Red Sox nation It's a kind of a family Wherever I roam, a Fenway home That's where I long to be I'm a member of a Red Sox nation It's a kind of insanity Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity Make a smile, November until opening day. Suffering baseball withdrawal around the clock. When April comes, hey, meet me down on Yawkey Way. That's when Red Sox fans just rock. I'm a Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, literally everywhere, Google Podcast as well, and up above the periscope window you can also find the actual itunes link which you can click subscribe all that fun stuff you can even rate us and uh leave some comments as well so that's always good it improves our visibility on itunes and uh, we would certainly appreciate that i am terry cushman and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and uh, Liz Churchville. I should also mention the Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the New York Yankees, dropping both games, and are now eight and a half games out of first place with a record of 6-13. and 13. So, uh, Jeremy, Liz, how are you guys? Can we dispense with the pleasantries, please? <laughs> well, how's Liz? She's not emotionally invested into this. I'm, I, I'm terrific. I got my coffee. I'm ready to go. Uh, Razor's still doing well as of right now, and um, I'm actually pretty sad. Randomly, we're going to be out of town this weekend. I was so close to buying tickets to, to one of the games, and then uh, we kind of ended up uh, getting invited out of town by some friends. So, uh, sadly, I won't get to watch... The possible massacre. Sorry, not sorry, but um, but it should be an interesting next series. But I know we got other things to discuss before we get to that. Absolutely. So, uh, Jeremy, why don't you take us through it? Sure. Sales sucked. We lost eight nothing. Game two, it was going okay. Three one. Bullpen gave up a three-run home run. Brazier, I thought it should have been Barnes. Your tweet was pretty good. Uh, we lose 5-3. We had two good swings in the entire game. Uh, swept. Next. Uh, good enough. Next, we will go into shout-outs and call-outs, or perhaps a lack thereof in one of those areas. But if you're new to the segment, we will shout-out a member of the team or a player league-wide. And then we will loop back around and call out a member of the team or organization, as I should say, which should be pretty easy this episode. So, uh, Liz, go ahead and lead us off with your shout-out. Uh, my shout-out actually stems from a tweet that you received from, I believe it's pronounced, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, uh, Kendi... 
Ether? Not really sure. Uh, on Twitter, uh, I forget even what you said, but but she was like, you know, why does it seem like every other team hustles down the first baseline, but uh, the Red Sox seem to just skip down it? Um, and uh, I responded to her because uh, hustling and you know getting it done and not being lazy in the field anywhere, be it you know offensively or defensively, is a big thing for me. And um, so that's what my shout out has to do with. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Devers, Rafael Devers, today in the seventh. You know, he made a little dribbly hit that really should have been an out, uh, hit it right to or almost right to uh, Luke Voigt, the first baseman. Uh, but I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's, the pitchers. I think it was, what with a K? With Kale, the, Kai, you know with, how to pronounce that? With the Yankees? It, yeah, K-A-H-N-L-E. I don't know how oh, that's Kainley. pronounced. Oh, Tommy Canely. That's who that was. Canely. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's a really odd spelling. Thank you. Uh, but Voight uh, just made a, a bad throw, you know, to him. And, um, and I mean, he probably could have, re- you know, recovered it if Devers wouldn't have run so hard to first. Uh, but, you know, he made it a first despite, you know, it looking like he was out. Uh, so I appreciated him, you know, doing that. And then... Uh, uh, Vasquez was the next up to bat, and he ended up stealing a base uh, while Vasquez was at bat, which ended up being, well, it would have been more important if Jackie Bradley didn't strike out the at bat after Vasquez. But um, but Vasquez ended up hitting, uh, just to, it would have been, it probably would have been a double play. He would have hit into a double play, and they both would have been out. But uh, because of the stolen base, Devers made it over to third, which could have, you know, given them an extra point, but unfortunately, like I said, Jackie Bradley, uh, you know, ended up striking out, so it didn't matter, but I still appreciated his aggressiveness, you know, out there, you know, despite everything, and uh, so that's why I'm shouting him out. Yeah, and Devers had another almost identical hit earlier in the game, and Hap got to it as best as he could, and the only way he could get the ball to first was to basically hike it through his legs. You know, like a center oh, in football, I yeah. I so for like some reason, yeah, for some reason, you know, he had two hits just like that and managed to, uh, you know, hustle down the line. So at least somebody on this team is trying. Uh, Jeremy, mm-hmm. go, go ahead. Well, I was gonna pass and just say no one, but Terry's making me explain why I'm doing that. So. <laughs> I will just say that I refuse to discuss positive uh, performance while we are playing the way we are. This is embarrassing. Uh, It's absolutely miserable to watch. Um, I I don't feel like there's a high level of uh, basically anything happening. Um, The the performance is contagious. Um, JD... Uh, Vasquez with uh, one good swing apiece tonight. Um, you know, I, I just, what's the point? I mean, the whole thing sucks. No one's good enough. Nothing's good enough. No one is doing the thing to put the team over the top. And this is a goddamn nightmare. It's, it's, and honestly, um, and I'm sure the Yankees fans and all the haters are drinking my tears right now, which is fine, because um, they're especially salty admittedly. Um, you know, I just refuse to talk about anything positive because this is just such a goddamn nightmare. Dumpster fire. It just It's, it's uh, unfathomable that with all this talent, 
they can't figure something the fuck out and win a couple of games here and there. I mean, it's just pathetic. So I refuse to I refuse to shout out anybody. Fair enough. Uh, you know, tonight JD hit a solo. I feel like we could call uh, shout him out every episode. I, I'm I'm not going to go there tonight. Uh, Vasquez has had a couple of good days. He had that start at second base, and um, you know, a two run shot tonight. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go MLB wide for the first time this season, and I'm just gonna shout out Christian Yelich. I mean, the guy has established himself once again as the bona fide front runner to uh, basically be the National League MVP again. He's already up to nine home runs. Very weirdly, though, eight of them are against the St. Louis Cardinals. So, but nonetheless, he's hit nine of them, having a very impressive year. I think the Brewers are something like, they must be about 13 and six right now. So I didn't even have them as a playoff team. I don't know if they can sustain this. They are in talks with Craig Kimbrell, uh, you know, because they've got some injuries in their bullpen. So I don't know. Maybe they'll surprise everyone again, but Yelich is uh, picking right up where he left off. So, uh, and he's fun to watch, and and I'm a fan. I, I think he's a classy guy, and he's he's good for the sport. So, uh, Liz, go ahead and uh, lead us off with your call out. Uh, before I do that, I'd like to uh, point out that I think I actually picked him as the MVP, and I think I picked the Brewers to win. The central, uh, you, although it's still early and anything can happen, so you did. But I just you wanted absolutely to, did. to mention yeah. mention that. But um, I'm I'm going my old tried and true. I hate to uh, you know shout him out again. I guess in a way, but but Chris Sale, you know what what the hell? What the hell is going on with him? I I saw like his uh, his post game interview, and basically all he could say is he sucks, and he knows he has to do better. And I know, you know, all of us, you know, have a slight affinity, particularly Jeremy, for players that, you know, take responsibility for, you know, for their actions and for being terrible. But at this point, what what is the solution? You know, him having these uh, post-game conferences every, every game and being like, or every outing and being like, you know, I'm just bad. You know, I'm, I just don't know. I have to be better. You know, but what what's the solution? You know, I mean, and I kind of jotted down, I'm like, is... Is it in his head? You know, is it something that's intangible? Like, uh, is Terry right? Is he injured? Does he need to, like, get some kind of, like, full-body physical thing to see if there is, like, something minor? Uh, would they even release that if it was? Is he going to have a mysterious injury? Like, uh, you know, something, anything, just to give him some time away? You know, because obviously he's not helping the Sox win, so why not give him some time? Um, you know, would it be worth and this is what I was going to ask you guys, you know, do you think sending him down to the minors for a little while and letting him have a couple of starts, you know, even without an injury being pronounced, maybe let him get back to basics, gain his confidence again, you know, is something that could be beneficial. Like, in, in your minds, like, what what is the solution right now? Because simply sending him back out there game after game, and I know Leon is back, and I personally like Leon, and I think that's great. Uh, so I mean, but but he's he's not gonna he can't fix he can't fix everything and certainly not one start you know you got to give him at least at least a couple of starts I would think just to kind of get back into the groove but um 
But I mean, what what's the solution here? What do you what do you do? Well, for him to to pitch in the minors, it would have to be via a rehab start because you can't just you can't just send someone down like that if they don't have the options. And uh, we're getting some bad feedback here. Bad feedback. Oh, I don't know um, what that was from. I think it's so okay, fan, fan, phantom injury. Yeah, they would have oblique to come, or something. They would have to. Well, they have to. He'd have to agree to a DL stint. He'd then have to fake the period of time necessary to legitimize the injuries. Otherwise, they could be they could be uh, a fine by Major League Baseball. And then he'd have to agree to multiple minor league starts, which he's just not going to do. He's making $150 million. I don't think the Red Sox would want him to do it either. And that's the thing. So the only answer is he has to pitch through it, um, which he's going to do because he's saying he's healthy. And his fastball popped uh, yesterday. Um, and it, it seems like he is healthy now. His location sucks. Um, his, uh, his stuff's just not great generally, all pitches. Um, sure, he got his fastball velocity back a little bit yesterday, but slider changes. When he does locate, it's for very small periods of time, and then he goes back to not locating, and he gets rocked. And he's he's he he's not just giving up a string of base hits; he's giving up big home runs. And th there is no answer. Uh, he's going to have to pitch through it. He's going to have to figure it out. Um, you know, but he sucked. I mean, he's example A of why this team stinks. Um, I mean, dude, I mean, I, he, I mean, I don't even, I really don't even know how to respond. He's supposed to be our stopper. He's the, being the exact opposite of a stopper. Um, he's given us literally no chance to win games. Um, and the contract just worse, looks worse and worse with every monumental failure. Uh, the fact that he continues to take responsibility at this point is just, like, superfluous, in my opinion, because it's so fucking obvious it's ridiculous. I mean, his only other, his only other like, play is to just not show up to the post-game presser. But he's not going to do that. He, do, he, is, he's, he does seemingly uh, stand up and, and face some music, and, and I don't fault him for any of that. But at this point, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. What, what else can you say? It's almost like he should yeah. just pre-record it or just use an old, you know, press conference and be like, here, just play this because it's the same. <laughs> you know, just replay it. The The thing that I noticed was his velocity did come up, and I don't know, have an answer for that. Sandy Leone didn't add four miles an hour to his fastball. I'm, not, I'm never going to say that. But... It seems like he might have figured something out, as, at least as far as the velocity went. And he was kind of looking like his old self. But when the, the lineup came through the second time, you know, and he was facing them again, that's when things started to unravel. And it's like maybe he might have an answer for what he needs to do differently, but it, it might get to the point where he's going to need multiple answers as for what differently he might need to do each time the order comes through because there's going to be more and more tape, more and more data. And, I mean, this is going to be, at this point, the worst season of his career. And I wonder, I just wonder what all this extra taxing, all this extra laboring and he might be throwing more side sessions to try to figure this out, more than he normally would. 
how how much of this right now is going to take off from the end of the season? Like, is he going to be done by the end of June or, or July, you know, earlier than previous years? It's just extremely scary. And when you look at Rick Porcello right now as well, who's just completely lost, I mean, we don't have anybody to come in and replace these guys unless you want to do Velasquez or, like, maybe use an opener every fifth start and then put Velasquez in the middle of it. But there's no nobody on the farm that can come up in place of these guys. If you're talking about if you're talking about a phantom injury for Chris Sale, whoever comes up in place of him, that's basically an automatic loss. So I mean, Sale has they have to figure something out, and it's it's well, uh, it's going to be Velasquez, and the call up is going to be somebody else. It's yeah. gonna be a reliever, and that's that's shitty. That's the though. only answer. That's and by the way, I don't I don't hate that if 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 he's not right or whatever. Like I I do I, I went into Velasquez a little bit last podcast about you know I I used the analogy that if he blew out his right arm and Cora asked him to pitch lefty, the only thing he'd ask for is a is a left handed glove. So I mean I I do um, I like Velasquez for what his role is. Is it scary if you're counting on him for let's say like eighteen to twenty two starts? Yeah, that's a problem. Um, but I do think he's a gamer, and I do think he gives you a chance to win. He's he's effectively been your second-best starter, maybe third-best now that Evaldi uh, had a pretty good outing today. Oh, well, not a pretty good outing. Evaldi uh, pitched well today. So, uh, you know, look, sale, Sale's a problem. He's a major problem. Um, but this team isn't where they are just because of Sale. So, I, I mean, the, the, the problem is systemic at this point. Um, it's it's systemic. I don't. I mean, the whole thing sucks. I mean, JD has been JD. Uh, Vasquez uh, hit a home run today. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit. I, so I just want to touch on it lightly. This organization made the pathetic move of, of scapegoating a, a certain player, uh, which obviously had nothing to do with anything, and they thought that that somehow was gonna spark this team. Well, wrong. It had the negative effect. Um, and then, by the way, and we're going to get into it, but one player commented on that other player and said, I f- I'm happy for him, meaning he's happy this particular player got DFA'd. So uh, I'll get into that in the next segment about what that meant and why, why it was so, uh, in my opinion, damning of the way the player had been handled throughout his career. But the whole thing sucked. They're scapegoating players. Who's next? I don't know. Uh, fabulous, you know, fine. He's not been great. Uh, and maybe they maybe they fire the assistant hitting coach, you know. But but it, it's at this point, it's a systematic, or I'm sorry, a systemic, pathetic failure across the board, except for a few scattering of players, namely Price and JD. So whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. I guess uh, it's my turn. I yeah, guess it's it my turn for the for the call out. Yeah. So look, I I I, I commented on. Uh, the little leader Pedroia last podcast. And uh, I got ethered on the internet. I got called, uh, questioned my intelligence, which I guess is fair on some level. Um, (laughs) I asked people to look at it honestly and to evaluate the thing without emotion. And I got the exact opposite. Um, In fact, I went back because I I wanted to start a segment a couple weeks ago calling uh, the moron tweet of the night. 
And uh, I was a little bit poo-pooed because it, it, it was potential for like calling out specific people, and, and we didn't really want to do that, which I totally understand. Uh, the first person who uh, ethered me, I went back. Uh, I saw the tweet earlier today. By the time the Red Sox game ended tonight, that that individual had deleted the tweet, so I can't call him out. Um, I have been called clueless, stupid, uh, moronic, um, uh, any number of different things. And then he goes out tonight, goes over for one, and has to come out of the game with a knee injury. I root for every player with the Boston Red Sox on their chest. Every single player, because I don't, I, I don't have an agenda. I want to win. I want to have successful sporting seasons for all my teams. He's just, guys. He's done. He's done. And and Pedroia, uh, Chris Saunders, friend of the program, tweeted at me. Uh, to, to specifically bring to my attention a, a comment from Cora after the game saying that they would have to bring someone up to play second base, which we know is going to be two-way limb. Uh, most likely. I, yeah. The people that emotionally support uh, Pedroia, I, I, I'm, I almost, you know, I'll, I'll pour a drink out tonight for you guys tonight. Um. He, he's done. It would be a monumental comeback at this point. He's got another setback. Who knows how bad it is? His performance isn't there. He hasn't been healthy. He can't get healthy. I, I'm not saying I want him to fail. I don't. I've said express, expressly I want him to succeed because the Pedroia can be some semblance of the 2015-2016 version of Dustin Pedroia. It makes the Red Sox better. Nunez sucks defensively. He's not the answer. Two Wayland's not a big league hitter. Uh, Brock Holt for all he can do and he's made an all-star team he's not a second baseman by trade he can't be an everyday second baseman so I want Pedroia to be successful he can't be and maybe it's because of injury maybe it's become because of performance I personally think it's some sort of combination of both I just I'm at a loss for why people think he's anything other than what he's been now for two or three years so uh, my shout-out is the fact that Pedroia um, seemingly is, a, is on the cusp of another lost season at age 36. And at age 36, when you lose a season for the second or third year in a row, uh, that typically spells doom. And I just wouldn't be shocked if it meant anything else at this point. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to say. Other than, again, before you go crazy on Twitter, you know, I, I, I was rooting for him, and I am rooting for him because, again, he's still wearing a Red Sox jersey. He's getting paid a ton of money. He still owed $40 million. But he sucks, guys. And I understand that it's because he's been hurt, but he is hurt, and he can't get healthy. And that may not be at a fault for him or his personality, but he's not a contributing member of this particular franchise, and he's not going to be again. I would be shocked if I'm wrong here. I hope I'm wrong, but I'd be shocked if I was. So, I mean, I, I, I'm interested to see how this podcast plays out because I had one particular uh, person who, I, I, who has not deleted his tweet yet call me a moron and say he's done listening to the podcast because of my Petroya take last week. So we'll see how it goes, but he's, he's you know, I, that I, negative. I'm not going to give this guy any glory by asking you who he is, but I have a feeling one of those two guys is the same guy I'm thinking of, and he was, he was completely MIA on my feed tonight, had nothing to say. 
So it's funny how they disappear like little cowards while you and I are on record every week taking shit from all these people. And Jeremy, uh, maybe this is kind of a, a rude awakening, but this this is my world. <laughs> what you've experienced with the Pedroia stuff is my world. And I've, I've been dealing with it now since probably 2016. I've been on Twitter since 2015. And, you know, when you... When you when you start creating content and, and interacting with people, this is this is the type of shit you take, and you know, eventually you, you just get immune to it. Like I just I just roll my eyes at this guy, and that's it. <laughs> you know, I mean, in my profession, I get a lot of it, like on a personal level, so it doesn't bother me, especially coming from social media, not people I know. Um, and I I can appreciate more now than I have in the past because I do this podcast with you every uh, basically third day. Um, the the Twitter uh, attack was kind of shocking because I mean I thought I was pretty good with what I was saying. I thought it was pretty clear that I wasn't rooting against him. And I genuinely asked people to look at it, you know, take the the personal attachment to the player away and just look at it. And people were saying in 2016 he had a 1.9 war and this and that, and he was like seventh in the MVP. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not taking anything away from what he did between the time he was called up, winning the Rookie of the Year, the MVP, winning multiple World Series in 2015 or 2016. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm saying he's not been anything since. And the fact that people are, are, are as, in my opinion, as disillusioned as they are over this guy, it's, 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 it was sta- it was a, it's been a staggering 48 hours for me. <laughs> um, and I don't mind putting my opinions out there. I'm an opinionated, uh, opinionated direct a guy by nature. Um, and then, you know, add me to this podcast since last, uh, whatever I started, August or September, whenever it was. I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I was just surprised by by uh, the level of disdain and hatred for what I thought was a pretty accurate take based on real life situations and facts. I mean, these aren't. I wasn't. It wasn't like based on supposition or or uh, or innuation or theory. I mean, he hasn't been a good, and he hasn't been active. He hasn't been playing in games. So I, I just, I, I totally blown away. Uh, by the whole thing. And then tonight, after all the eviscerations and all the ethering I faced on Twitter and whatever, for him to add, bow out of this game in the second inning, uh, you know, I mean, again, more on tweet of the night. Here's one. How could you expect him to play? This is, again, in relation to him DHing the other day and forcing Vasquez in the second. This is, this is what was tweeted at me. How could you expect him to play? The grass was wet. Uh... Like Earth to Twitter person, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like you have to be out of your goddamn mind. So I mean, it is what it is. But uh, I, and again, I root for him. But asked out of the game in the second inning tonight, uh, he was zero for one in this series. He offers nothing. Cora has admitted he's out for an extended period of time. There's just no reason for him not to be someone who's being called out. Right. And guys like him just aren't rational and there's there's no reasoning with them. And that's that's, you know, what we're going to deal with here as as the season goes. There, there's just no reasoning with those people and they're everywhere. Here you go. Here you go. Honestly, the Petroya hate is confusing. 
By the way, I've never in my life said I I, I hate Pedroia. I've criticized his leadership in his play. I, I don't say I, like I hate the guy. But honestly, the Pedroia hate is confusing considering he plays at one of the shallowest positions in baseball. And the Red Sox have been tw- have about 20 more pressing issues. He's played five games. It's not working in a month or two. Perhaps there could be a discussion. Hey, discussion starts now. He's out. He's not going to be here in a month or two. Next, reply to himself. I'm not going to. Per- I'm not going to at the person. You don't want me doing that. That's fine. Honestly, the Petroya hate is confusing. Considering he, I'm sorry, if he hadn't got hurt in 2017, he was on pace to have a year on par with his career averages. He had a great year the year before. Hit 292 with 62 RBIs and a 1.9 WAR in 105 games in 2017. That was two years ago. He he played 105 games more on. Moron. moron, 105. It's not good enough. Sorry, like bad example. Right. So I, it's just so confusing, and then we got people saying they're not going to listen to the podcast over it. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, let me just add in my notes real quick because I, I was going to kind of make a segment out of Pedroia, but we don't have to go too far into it. Um, first of all, he's hitting only a hundred now after tonight's at bat. I call that the Mendoza Junior line. Um, we're seven games under 500. So if you're seven games under 500, you're not putting guys batting 100 showing you absolutely nothing. There's literally no indication that he is going to, in the near future, play at a major league level. So that's number one. And if he were to expect to play, that's extremely selfish because he's putting himself before the team. And I hate to keep bringing up the Machado thing, but when that incident went down the way it did, he basically decided for, at least in that moment, that he was bigger than the game and he could sell out his bullpen. So his mindset is he's probably very entitled, even though he, he sounds like he's coming off the right way, you know, when he gives his interviews, blah, blah, blah. Um I think what we're looking at here is a long DL stint. You know, he might even go on to the 60-day. You know, he, he's owed a lot of money. So, I mean, we're not talking retirement here, I don't think. So, it's either a long DL stint or maybe he does get DFA'd. Maybe that's the bombshell similar to last year, you know, with Hanley. I mean, two totally different situations, but, you know... I was still pretty shocked at the time Hanley got DFA'd. Never saw that coming. We all thought it was going to be Swihart. We'll get to him in a minute, but it ended up being Hanley. And Dombrowski isn't necessarily a, a Pedroia guy, as I've pointed out. So I, I don't think he's, I don't think he would necessarily be opposed to just simply cutting Pedroia and moving on. Because, like you said, he turns thirty-six in August. He'll be thirty-seven next year. Common sense, you know, people don't get more durable as they get older. So those are just a couple of things I was going to mention. And um, this could be it. This could be the end. And maybe he knows it. Maybe he knows it. He took himself out of the game tonight as well. So maybe, you know, maybe it's time. I don't know. Uh, Can I just ask a question? Sure. Uh, I haven't so, got to no. my call out, but that's why <laughs> <laughs> this is the longest segment I, I, for that ever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. I, I mean, it, uh, somebody like me, a fan of a team like I'm a fan of, uh, you know, I can't empathize in a situation with a player that's been with a successful team, you know, for so long. But do you think that 
the people that are still like fans and think Pedroia, barring the injury, of course, you know, should be in the field no matter what. You think they're more casual fans and they're really just clinging to his old identity as the Pedroia he was, and that's the name they know, so that's why they're they're holding so steadfast to him versus, you know, seeing it, seeing sitting him or whatever, you know, as the better thing for the team, you know, because they're they're seeing the score. And, you know, they're paying attention a little bit, but they're not sitting there and watching and seeing what's going on. You know, they're just catching the highlights. And, and they're, they're just they're just who he knows. And, and he's been with the team for so long. Is, it's a really good it? question. It's a really good question, Liz. And I don't think I can answer it uh, because I gotta, uh, I've been surprised by the reaction. Um, it, it's a little bit of both. I wish I... I guess I'll know if I, I guess I guess I'll know if I'll get the hate for calling those people casual fans. I'll I'll keep you guys up on that. Wow, jeez, good luck. <laughs> Hold on, get ready for this. Twitter hey, fingers hey, coming at hey, you. Hey, hey, I'm a vegan. I, I get I get <laughs> criticized enough for a bunch of other crap <laughs> yeah, by so many people. So. I'm used to it now too. I so. wish. Uh, I, bring I, I, bring, so, bring getting, it, bring it, guys, bring it. <laughs> getting back, to, getting back to the the question, which is a good one. I honestly mm-hmm. don't know. Um, I talk a lot of baseball with a lot of people because I'm in South Florida. Most of them are not Red Sox fans. Um, I, I the the people that have those opinions, by the way, if you if you truly notice them, one. Like I use my real name in my Twitter handle, um, so you know who I am, and I have a picture of myself as my Twitter avatar. The people that have those opinions and that attack people like me are always at socks one two three four five six seven and a picture of like Devers or Pedroia or the Red Sox or Fenway Park. So it's really really hard to understand. Uh, and I don't attack people on Twitter. I just I don't do it. I don't. I I I think it's the lowest common denominator of Twitter. And um, specific to those people, you can't get a read on them because you know nothing about them. That could be a 65 year old uh, widower who just lost her husband or his wife who's taking to Twitter for entertainment and is is purposely trying to mix it up. To a 15 or a 14 year old male or female a freshman in high school who is a fringe player, and I'm so afraid to criticize people because I really don't want to criticize teenagers and I don't want to criticize the elderly, But and I really don't want to criticize anybody, but you don't know anything about them. It's impossible to know. But those people are the people that are loudest at times like this, and um, I think they're going to die down uh, at this point, and uh, just generally speaking, the fan base really doesn't know how to react to it. So we're seeing a whole du- even Carabas, who's probably the most famous Red Sox fan right now on social media. Uh, his tweets have been uh, somewhat funny, somewhat depressing, um, and it's 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 an indication of how this fan base is handling the general, as Terry uh, likes to call it, the general suckage of this program because they suck right now. It's embarrassing. Uh, they have uh, what the second highest or the highest payroll. They're p- paying the luxury tax for this roster, and this roster sucks. And meanwhile, the Devil Rays are uh, Liz. Your team uh, is playing really, really sound baseball despite Snell's kind of weird injury and him having to go on the DL. Uh, they're yeah. very, very good. And and um, I, I honestly fear uh, the way this thing is going that we're going to go into Tampa uh, starting on Friday. Uh, which I th- is this a four-game set? I think it is. 
is a four-game set, and they could potentially come out down 12 games. And I, I tell you right now... It, I think it's only three. Then you guys... Uh, okay, so we could, if we get swept, which, frankly, is a real and present danger, you end up down 11 games. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, that might be the death nail for the division. Uh, and I'm not saying this team's... If that happens, if this team is completely... Um, you know, their season's over, but you're getting to the point where the, the old adage is you can't win the division, um, you can't make a playoff in April, but you can certainly lose it, and they're certainly uh, following falling into the ladder of that statement, especially if it's at the hands of the Rays who are in first place and running away with it. So uh, the other thing that sucks about this whole thing, by the way, uh, is that We've seemingly got the Yankees going. <laughs> Paxton comes in with a uh, 6 ERA. He was dominant. Hap came in with a 9 ERA. He was very good, quality start. Uh, I mean, it wasn't enough that we got Chris Davis going. we got to get the whole that. goddamn Yankees franchise going. So you're welcome, Chris Davis, and you're welcome, New York. Yeah, and uh, let me just... One more comment on the uh, the you know the fan base in general. When you ask that question, Liz, are they more casual fans? Some of them are, and they look at Pedroia as a guy who could play forever. But they're not gonna. They're that's not a hill that they're gonna die on necessarily. And then you have psychotic people, you know that Jeremy and I deal with, and that's you know that's just the other part of it. So. And the casual fan also would give Mookie Betts $450 million in a heartbeat because they don't see the big picture. They don't have the peripheral vision to to know that that's, that would be extremely consequential. So there's there's a line between just casual and, and psycho, apparently. And uh, that's that's what's going on there. Um, let me just do my my uh, call out finally at minute thirty eight. Um, Alex Cora tonight w- was the biggest reason we lost this game, and going back to last season in September, most of us were intrigued by Ryan Brazier because he came out of nowhere. He was making a big impact, and our bullpen wasn't our strong suit, so we kind of needed him to be the guy that he kind of was. But in September, I was noticing every time Cora brought him in with runners on, they he would eventually give those runs up. And at the end of the year, when I saw that his ERA was only 160 for the two months he played you know, before the playoffs, I thought, wow, that's really low because it seemed like he got knocked around. Well, he did, but all those runs were charged to the pitcher who was in before him. You know, they were inherited runners. And... And I, I said going into the playoffs, Jeremy, I don't know if you were with me at that point because I think you came in right, literally right as the playoffs were starting. Um, and I said, geez, I hope Cora has this figured out not to bring Brazier in with runners on. He needs a clean inning, and he'll probably be fine if he has a clean inning. And what ended up happening was he wasn't really fine, you know, and Cora gave him a quick hook, which was good, and then you know, Barnes would come in, Kelly would come in with runners on, and and they would get out of the inning relatively unscathed after he let one or two on. And 
tonight, I don't know what the recent data looks like in the last several games, but the bullpen just hasn't had many high leverage, you know, innings in the seventh, eighth, and ninth because we haven't won that many. But when I saw Brazier warming in the pen and Workman was putting those runners on and he eventually put two on, I think he gave up a hit and then he walked one. Or maybe he walked them both. I, I'm too shell-shocked to remember. But when they got on base, I was thinking, geez, he really, Barnes needs to be the one to come in right now. And sure enough, Brazier came in. They go to commercial. Gardner, I think on the second or third pitch, crushed one. And there might have even been two strikes, actually. And fastball down the middle, and, you know, it just barely cleared the you know, the right, the center right field wall. And, and that's who Brazier is. Like he cannot come in with runners on. And if the move is different, if it ends up being Barnes or even Hembry, Hembry is starting to show life. His last two or three outings have been pretty good. I think he had a one, two, three inning tonight, you know, where the game was, we were behind by that point, but, but just, in my opinion, Alex Cora lost this game for us tonight, and it was it was a very Farrell esque type move, really. And I, I hate to compare it to that because I, I know Cora is a lot smarter. But we we win this game if 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 it's Barnes or or maybe even Hembry coming in with those two runners on. So, and I think there were even two outs in the inning at that time as well, if I'm not mistaken. I, that's how shell shocked I am. I keep saying if I'm not mistaken, but one way or the other, it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been Brazier. And let me add on to this one second here. The bullpen has been my concern this whole time. I thought it would be the weakest point of the team. Maybe it won't be, but I still expect it to be not very strong. And we don't really know what Ryan Brazier is. That sample size was way too small. So to literally not sign anybody and to put so many eggs into Brazier's basket and Barnes's basket, considering he falls off a cliff, usually by late summer, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that was my chief concern all winter. And we're kind of starting to see it already. So... Any thoughts on on that before we, we're going to get into Swihart next? I mean, I, I I agree that it should have been Barnes there and not Brazier. All things created equal, um, but the, the the problem has not been the bullpen. It's been a complete lack of any consistency offensively. Keep in mind, we only had two good swings in this game: the home run by the JD and the home run by Vasquez. We weren't going to win this game. They were going to they they were going to score. Three, four, five. What you know, they were going to score runs. Um, you know, Avaldi happened to be good today, but the pitching's been bad. The starting pitching's been bad. I mean, I don't. I, again, I agree with you that I would prefer Barnes there because he just has, a, in my opinion, a higher swing and miss rate, and he's willing to work up in the strike zone where you could avoid uh, a big inning, but. You know, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Yeah. Barnes, Barnes uh, can can give up some home runs. It's it's not a guarantee that it would have went differently if if they went with what we believed was the right move there. Um, but it's at the same time to me, it seems a little short sighted to try to hone in on one thing. It's like I've said uh, now, probably the third time tonight. This is systemic. It's everything. It's Cora. It's Feblis. It's 
uh, the starting rotation outside of Price and tonight of Aldi. It's a it's a lack of any consistency in the lineup. It's uh, you know at times the bullpen, although that has not been the biggest the biggest problem. So, but my, my the whole point, thing's got the. I was just saying my point is it probably will become a bigger problem. Like we're starting to see it right now is, is what I'm getting at. And, I, I, and I, 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 you've been saying that since day one, and I haven't vehemently disagreed with you. I, I do think there are problems with this bullpen. I was a proponent um, in overpaying for uh, Kimbrell on a two-year deal. Um, because I do think that he still adds value to this bullpen. That's clearly not going to happen. Um, uh, you know, I at the same time, and I and I coming into the season, they did look like the weak point, just like they looked like the weak point all year last year, and were the clear weak point going into the playoffs. Um, it, I mean, but they haven't been, and. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. I honestly don't know. At this point, I'm so broken about the whole situation. I, it, it doesn't seem like there's light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't seem like beyond price we're going to get any consistency from anybody. And then the lineup's just a goddamn nightmare. And for all the people that are probably already getting their tweets ready about me on Pedroia, now we have so many questions in the in, in the infield because we don't have a second day. Uh, a second day. Jesus Christ. We don't have an everyday second baseman. Kinsler's not coming back. Uh, they felt that they had to address it last year with him. So at some point, assuming we can become relevant again and get back in this thing, they're got, by the time, look, if this comes by June 15th, July 1st, and we're in the hunt in any way, shape, or form, they're going to have to go get a second baseman because is not going to be there. So who do they find? Do we find another Kinsler or some variation of that? And it's going to be Chavis. You know, there's, there, there's all. I'm sorry. It's going to end up being Chavis in all likelihood. Yeah, it could be. It could be. They could they could promote with from within, which is something you've advocated for, uh, quite you know pretty heavily, and I, I don't disagree. But but it it goes to my larger point, which is this is systemic. There's issues everywhere. Our hundred and fifty million dollar shiny new toy is 0-4 with like an 8-something ERA. So, uh, you know, I mean, that, and that's one of the reasons why I refuse to do a, a shout-out. Everyone's bad except for J.D. Right. Yeah, Bogarts, and though. Price. Yeah, and don't, Price. Don't forget Bogarts. And Bogarts. Yeah. And Bogarts. Yeah. yeah, and Bogarts, who's been good. Yeah. One you know. one last comment on Evaldi, though. Some people might look at this as, okay, he's finally coming out of it tonight. That's probably not the case. I'm not going to say it's definitely not, but the Yankees are a team he dominates. It's a launch angle team. And this might sound like a completely bass-ackwards comment, but if if Stanton and Sanchez were in the lineup tonight, he probably would have done better because those are two guys he mows down and, and strikes out like nothing. And tonight he had to deal with new guys like LeMayhew, um, he probably hasn't pitched a Voight all that much and, um, you know, so on and so forth. A lot of the guys he typically mows down weren't even in the lineup tonight. But this is a lineup that he does typically dominate. So, I mean, his next start, I think, is going to be against the Tigers. And I have no idea what to expect. I mean, it might be more of what we've seen. So, I just want to caution people on that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he does turn a corner because some of these guys are going to have to if we're going to get serious about this. But... 
Um, the flip side of that is he dominates the Yankees and he doesn't come out and pitch well, and the sky's already falling. Um, it's a doomsday scenario. So, you know, he did what he had to do. I, your point's well well taken by me. Um, I'm going to look at it as a positive because <laughs> he did basically what we all expected him to do, which means this start was a no-upside start for him. Because if he pitched bad, it's like, well, he sucks, and the whole rotation sucks, and we're just going to continue suckage. Uh, and then if he pitches well, it's like, well, he always pitches well against the Yankees because they're a launch angle team, and they're a high strikeout rate team, and that falls right into his strengths. There was no upside. He did what we thought he was going to do, uh, and in my opinion, uh, that's a net positive as far as uh, the trajectory of Evaldi moving forward. Uh, and keep in mind, the, the Tigers are a dumpster fire themselves. Um, so, you know, Hopefully it's it a is. positive to roll into the re- to, to, to his next start. Which, by the way, there are so few fucking positives. I will I will sleep with this positive under my pillow tonight. So, yeah. I mean, I mean there, there's, there's nothing to grasp onto here outside of, again, Price, uh, tonight's start, uh, Xander, and, you know... <laughs> This, just, this sucks. The Tigers can't be any worse, though, than Baltimore, and Baltimore creamed them. So, I, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, hopefully. If, I'm, if I'm a Tigers fan in the middle of a slump, I'm like, all I got to do is get to that Red Sox series. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's all I got to do. I mean, like, you're looking at Chris Davis. You're looking at the Yankees just generally as a franchise. Like, we are the slump buster. Everybody, yeah, exactly. Everybody that's looked bad suddenly looks amazing against us. Let's get into Swihart. Liz, we're probably putting you to sleep. So, why don't you you kick off the Swihart thing? How surprised were you that that was the domino that kind of fell? Uh, I was was fairly surprised. I mean, I, I wasn't sure. I don't really have a solid opinion on it. I mean, you guys, just, just from watching him and listening to you guys mainly. Uh, you know, he he was going to be the one that was going to be kept. And then, you know, Vasquez, you know, they were going to do something with Vasquez, be that, you know, trade him or DFA him, you know, something, you know, if they were going to do anything uh, or they were just going to leave things as is. So so that was surprising to me. Um, what I was trying to find, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't dig too deep in it, you know, until just now I was trying to find uh, an article uh, just because you said they were scapegoating him. Uh, so I'm kind of interested to, to listen to what you guys have to say about that because I don't totally get, like, how how could they possibly blame everything on him? I mean, maybe he's not a good defensive catcher and, and everything, but uh, he certainly isn't to blame for nobody hitting, you know. I mean, the pitchers can't take all the blame for for all these losses, but... Um, but yeah, I, just just on the surface, I was definitely surprised. Jeremy, I have no opinion. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like I'm counting on your opinion. I know. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I don't have my game Quiet there. Like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> um, I, I I caution how I want to react here because I don't. Um. All right. So, where do I start? First of all, I love how the minute sales velocity's back, and he had like two quick innings that people are like, "It's Leon! It's Leon!" 
And then all it's that Homer meme again when he comes out of the bush and then slowly recedes back into the bush. All the Leon huggers are like, "He's his velocity's back. He's he's painting corners. He's gonna roll." This is the first person. One tweet I saw was the first person to one run is gonna win this game, and then he gave up a touchdown, and everyone receded back into the bushes. Um, this to me is a, this one of the all-time coward moves by the Red Sox organization. Um, in fact, I was, you know, I spent a lot of time in the car, and um, I was trying to think of a bigger coward move by the Red Sox, and I couldn't specifically think of something worse than this off the top of my head. Um, Swihart has, by being drafted by the Red Sox, in and of itself, cost him millions of dollars. Uh, he was a first-round draft pick, if I recall correctly. He was at one point touted as, I think, a, hundred, a top 100 prospect and certainly a top catching prospect in all of baseball. They put him in left. He shattered his ankle. Um, the day before he got DFA'd, he was supposed to play left before the little leader decided he couldn't play second base because the grass was wet. Um He's been put in a position last year where he was literally the third catcher and was seeing such intermittent time that you didn't see him for weeks at a time. Then the Red Sox, for whatever reason, chose him over Hanley. And now, after all of this, they've just DFA'd him as a scapegoat, clear scapegoat. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the first draft of the press release was as a scapegoat, we're DFAing Blake Swihart. It's so clearly, like, we have to make a move. I'm just sitting in the meeting. Cora's there. Uh, Dombrowski's there. You know, Sam Kennedy's there. Uh, whoever else is in the leadership positions there, Werner and all these other douchebags. And uh, they're saying, well, we got to do something. we gotta, we got to do something. We can't just do what we're doing, which is losing games in horrible fashion. So what do we do? And the lowest hanging fruit determined by the organization was Blake Swihart, who had started five games behind home plate. So all you people who are like, oh, yeah, it has to be Leon. Well, I hope you're not one of the people that said Pedroia's only played five games because you're inconsistent. He, it just, it, to me, it just reeks of cowardice. It reeks of scapegoating. It, lo it makes the organization look petty and stupid and, uh, you know, and and then, you know, again, and I'll, I'm transparent, so I will say I'm not a Le a Leon guy, and I think the whole personal catcher thing again is the pussification of the uh, North American athlete. So uh, the whole thing sucks. It reeks, and again, I'll say it for another time: the issues with this team and this organization are systemic, and the scapegoating of Swihart in favor of Leon is just the prime example of that. And, uh, by the way, for anyone that's listening, yes, it was Terry who drove uh, Leon from Pawtucket to New York yesterday. <laughs> um, so am I up now? You have my permission. Okay. You have my permission. <laughs> all right. yeah. Well, I just wanted you to make sure you got it all out. Um, so, all right. Um, believe it or not, I mean, it doesn't I, – I do like Sandy – uh, I, um, I I was not his chauffeur yesterday. I, I would have been. I think I, I don't know how much English he speaks, though. So I don't speak much Spanish, so he'd have to uh, know English for that to really be a fun experience, you know, and, you know, shoot the shit and whatnot. But um, 
But anyway, um, I think a bunch of things happen here. Now, just a few observations. Jeremy, you've kind of pointed some of them out. They kept Swihart all year last year and were insistent that they did not want to deal him. And I was fine with it at the time. I mean, we were we were way up in the division, you know. So there, there were no immediate consequences to dealing Swihart last year, even if what we got in return wasn't great. Uh, you know, so it was a little confusing. We carried three catchers. And so you, you kind of have that and then... Three weeks ago, we designate Sandy Leone for assignment. He gets designated for assignment. He is the odd man out. The Red Sox feel like their future is Swihart and Vasquez. And that's the future. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, Leone is owed like $2.5 on the season. So nobody claimed him because that's a lot of money for a backup catcher. And, it, and for some teams, it might be a, a lot of money for a primary catcher. And so nobody claimed him. The Red Sox then, I think they they outrighted him is the technical term for it, which means they sent him to Pawtucket. He wasn't on the 40-man roster, so his 2.5 wasn't going to count against us unless they called him up like they did the other day. So this is as recently as three weeks ago. He's the odd man out. And he could have been, if, if somebody claimed him, He's gone. He's gone for probably forever, but at least for this season. And and then at for whatever reason, over the course of three weeks, attitudes change. And Swihart was not he was definitely hitting the best of the three. I mean, he was hitting two thirty one and he was higher than that. He had like a bad two games and, and slipped down to two thirty one. And I thought his defense was improved. I thought he was at least basically adequate, uh, you know, to the point where he wasn't going to really cost us a lot of games. A couple Sundays ago was a bullpen day. He got that whole, he, he worked with five different pitchers, and the Diamondbacks could not score a run. So I was getting more and more encouraged by this. And, and then... <sighs> I think what happened, this is what I think what happened. You know, there's the scapegoat theory. You know, maybe there's truth to that. I think the Red Sox front office is in complete panic mode right now. This rotation is historically bad. This is the worst start. How many games? 18 games into today. This is the worst first 18 games for a Red Sox starting rotation in franchise history. And I think they've been a team, I have it up on my wall, since 1901. So in 118 years, this season, coming off of a championship, is the worst 18-game start for the rotation. And I think they thought Sandy was the answer. And I don't know if the if the the starting pitchers were were chirping, "Hey, get this guy back, get this guy back." You know, we're not going to know that for a while if ever, but I think the front office was in complete panic mode. They saw that as a possible solution. It backfired at least in his first game back, but I just feel like that that was how it went down. And Dombrowski said it was it was a split camp over who to who to 
designate for assignment. So I don't know what he means by split camp. Like, who's the camp? Is it the front office by themselves? Is it, whoop, knocked my mic over. <laughs> is it the, uh, you know, is it the players? Is it collectively the whole organization? I don't know what a split camp is, but apparently it was a pretty tough decision. A lot of dialogue took place, and then Swihart ended up being the guy. And it's too bad, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but I've already said in a previous episode, I think John Farrell basically sabotaged his career by not committing to him in early 2016. When we were a first-place team, we basically led the division the whole year. We were the number one offense, and you know he had the foot injury, and it just all went down from there. And 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 Farrell thought you know Le, uh, Lavello was in line to take his job because you know he gained so much popularity. And it just nobody in recent memory has been treated, mistreated, or mishandled more than than Swihart. And <laughs> it's just it's an awkward. It's an awkward situation, and I, well, one thing that I'd like to highlight, piggybacking off that commentary, is Mookie Betts came out today before the game and said he's happy for Blake Swihart. I mean, <laughs> what does that say? The players are happy. We're, the players are basically saying, "Hey, Blake, we know you've been fucked by the organization." Congratulations on now being outside the organization. What does that say? And the fact that they were willing to use that particular player as a scapegoat, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. It's a fucking loser's mentality. So we apparently have losers running this organization. By the way, just as a highlight how well last year went, they kept Blake Swihart. We effectively went through the whole season with a 24-man roster as a result. Last year was so perfect. Everything fell into place so perfectly that in my recollection of being a Major League Baseball fan, a team kept kept three catchers all year except for the period of time where Vasquez hurt his finger. But for the far majority of the season, we had three catchers, effectively limiting the roster to 24 players as a result, and it didn't matter. So this year, it mattered. It mattered who was in every spot because we've sucked again except for the play- players we've highlighted and they chose this particular player which is just a culmination of how bad they fucked this guy really I mean they just screwed him and and he's lost You know, not that we feel bad for people who are making millions of dollars I do kind of feel a little bit bad for him though he's lost millions of dollars he's potentially lost an early second contract over this thing and I am happy for Blake Swihart because by the way how many times has he complained over how bad he's been treated and how bad he's been handled? He never has. Never. And you know who he did? His agent last year. And what happened the next morning? He came out and said, I, didn't, I, I did not want my agent to say that. He came up and he said, my agent spoke for himself. And while I appreciate his representation, it's not how I feel. I mean, he was a model citizen while he was here. Now, model citizenship is not enough. You got to perform. He was never given the opportunity to, to 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 showcase an ability to play every day. Now, they obviously believed him because he was here for seemingly forever, but he never played. I don't think he ever played more than three games in a row. 
He certainly didn't play like the majority of a week. This guy got screwed. And I am ha- I, I, I am going to adopt Mookie's sentiments. And I hope he goes to a franchise that can appreciate him and pay him for what he's worth, which is a supremely athletic catcher who has an upside offensively, who who is an, uh, a plus a base runner for the catcher position, and certainly one of the better athletic uh, athletes at, in the catcher position in all of baseball. Uh, is he going to be an elite catcher? No, he's not. He's not going to be a Molina brother. He's not going to be Pudge in the in the steroid era. Uh, but he's going to be someone who does a lot of things really, really well. And, uh, you know, I, I and again, he hasn't bashed the Red Sox on his way out. I checked Twitter before we came on the podcast specifically for something that said, hey, you suck, and he didn't do anything. Uh, so he's just going to move on uh, as, as a class act he's been. Uh, on the flip side, the Red Sox are just just look like shit over this, in my opinion. I don't know how it works, you know, which team will have the first shot. If it goes by last year's standings, because in that case it would be Baltimore, which would suck because they're not going to be competitive. That's the last place I would want him to go. Uh, or if they go by the current year's standings, I don't know who's in last. I know the Marlins probably are one of the worst teams, but um, I just hope he goes somewhere good. And that comment by Mookie, they're happy for him. Does that mean everybody's miserable and and they're glad that he's the one guy getting out or no no okay. no that, that that meant that they it was a realization that everyone knows that he's been fucked by the organization. Okay. And, and, you know, I mean, and by the way, and by the way, if I'm Blake Swihart, I think he's got two rings because I I want to say in thirteen. No, well, first of all, I know I maybe he wasn't called up yet, but I believe he was drafted that year. Or the year before, so he's been in the organization for two World Series rings. He clearly got a World Series ring last year. I, I, if I'm Blake, and uh, I, I would be okay with whatever program wanted to pay me. I've already won a World Series. I've already been in successful first place teams. Like, and that organization screwed me and hasn't paid me what I'm worth. And so, if he goes and plays for the Marlins and gets a three-year, thirty million dollar deal, I'd be I, I I would understand it and I'd be happy for him. Well, the, how how that works? I know how that works. If he's claimed his existing contract is still what happens, and he's only making probably not even a million. Yet. He's gonna get he's gonna get claimed. Right. So he'll he'll basically be controllable through twenty twenty three, and then he'll just. He'll climb, you know, the system and then into arbitration. And if he plays well, then, you know, we know how that works. The more you're going to make through arbitration. I mean, Bradley gets, you know, what, $8 million a year. So you got to figure, you know, he could be in the at least the 3 to $5 million range, you know. But, but you know, that's how that works. I just – I hope it's a good organization, though, because I, I – you know, I when the Sox are getting killed, you know, like last night, I'm flipping through. I'm not watching them anymore. I'm watching a competitive game, and, you know, so I'd, I'd like to see him in a, in a situation like that. Uh, Liz, what the were you going to say? The final note before we leave this topic, Terry. Yeah. Don't lose sight of the fact who said the comment about Blake Swihart. What do you Mookie mean? knows. Oh, okay. Mookie's a smart guy. Okay. And Mookie is looking at a, a, a potentially historic contract. And I don't know if it's going to be a factor or it's not. But the fact that he's the person that said this, that he's the person that 
went on record with this. Not great if you're in the I want to sign Mookie camp. Not great. I'm not in that camp, but uh, if I were, I'd go, oh, shit. He's Because criti- it's a criticize. He's criticizing the organization on the record. He's not coming out and saying my organization sucks, but if you even entertain any reading between the lines, he criticized the Red Sox over this. So yeah. I think that's something to think about. Right. Liz, you had a Can- question in there. Yeah, yeah, I did, uh, and I'm definitely calling on both your uh, your expertise uh, to answer it. But so, as far as who's on the active roster now, who has anybody actually come up through the system, or are they all were they all just pickups? You know, um, were, they, we, were any of them drafted by the by the Sox like Flyhart was? Oh, you mean for catcher? No, not just catcher, but but anybody. Like I, I don't like like an yeah. organization like the Rays. Like we we draft people, we trade for prospects, we keep them, we we raise them, we bring them up. I mean that's so Liz, that's, the, that's how we work. The, I don't know if that's how you guys work. They they've been pretty good at positionally. They've been really bad in, in, in the starting rotation. Um, so the outfield all drafted by the Red Sox: Devers, Bogarts, Pedroia, uh, all drafted by the Red Sox, uh, Vasquez drafted by the Red Sox, Swihart drafted by the Red Sox. Uh, they haven't had a homegrown pitching, uh, a starting pitcher that would be considered above average since Lester. So uh, a, uh, a sale, obviously, from the White Sox, Porcello from the Tigers. Uh, Nunez was in the White Sox organization, the Yankees organization. Moreland was with the Rangers. Pierce was with the, yeah. every team in the American League East at this point. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Leon was not drafted by the Red Sox, if that's my recollection. Okay. And out the bullpen, I think Embry uh, and uh, Johnson. But everyone else basically is is outside the organization on the major league level. Terry will correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, and that's no. I mean, that's pretty much right on. I mean, we import most of our pitching. Our bullpen, you know, some of them. Have uh, you know, like Matt Barnes is and, is homegrown, and, yeah. and by the way, that's one of the positives of being a Red Sox fan. You you support your team, Red Sox fans, and and I love being a Red Sox fan, and I'm a proud Red Sox fan for this. We pay to go to the games, we pay for Ness, and we pay the jerseys, we pay the high stadium prices, and everything else, and we're we, we are rewarded by our organization by spending that money back on the team. So I don't think it's a criticism that we're that, that the organization is willing to pay for sale, although it looks like that could potentially be a problem, uh, pay for guys like Porcello and Kimbrell last year. Uh, and remember, David Ortiz was actually drafted by the Twins, so the greatest player in the last 20 years was not a homegrown talent. He was a, he was a cast-off by the Twins. So the fact that at the end of the day the Red Sox are willing to pay for those players to come here and be great, I think that's a positive. Uh, obviously, you'd like to see a better track record with the homegrown talent. And the outfield's all homegrown. And the outfield's one of the best outfields, certainly last year, maybe not this year, but last year was probably the best outfield in Major League Baseball. The problem has been that the pitching has been so pathetic through the scouting department that we've literally had to trade significant assets for sales, significant assets for Kimbrel. We've had to tr- uh, assign uh, Porcello as a free agent. And, and what's happened is 
as a result, the minor league system has been eviscerated because they, for whatever reason, this team just can't draft starting starting pitchers. And the the the, the most highly touted pitching prospect we've drafted in the last five years, Groom, has already had Tommy John surgery, and his his he's not being talked about as being ready anytime soon. No, I wouldn't expect him until probably 2021 at the earliest. He, he'll probably get into some A-ball maybe towards the end of the season, but long way for him. Uh, let's just get into the organization here. I want to make one observation, though. I mean, the Red Sox are last. We're the defending champs. The popular theory is this is a hangover type situation. The recent World Series winners and teams in the World Series have not experienced much of a hangover. Uh, the Astros, you know, the 2017 champs, they got to the ALCS this year, played us, and a little bit of controversy with a guy that was spying, but nonetheless, they were one of the final four teams playing at the end of the year, so no hangover there. The Dodgers... You know, went to the World Series two years in a row. They're in the lead this year. Not much of a hangover. They did have a little bit of a blip early last season, but they righted the ship. And it wasn't this bad, you know, like what we're going through. And then when the Cubs won it in 2016, the following year, they went to the uh, NLCS as well. And the Dodgers beat them, you know, to make it to their... World Series. So none of these other teams recently have been having hangovers for the most part. And here we are having it. And the Dodgers, they got rid of Puig this year, who was a contributor, especially in the postseason last year. They got rid of Alex Wood, who was probably a bigger contributor in 2017. Uh, You know, and they're turning over the roster a little bit. And I like that. The Astros sort of did the same thing. You know, they brought in Brantley. They didn't bring back Keiko. I don't know if they played today, but they won 10 in a row coming into today. Not missing a step there. They brought in Wade Miley, which might work well with their spin rate program. Um, The Cubs, not so much. You know, have kind of taken a step back. But um, Dombrowski kept the band together. And... If you go back to last year, see, nobody talks about this. The playoff teams last year, Oakland, we lost four out of six against them. We lost four out of six last year to the Cleveland Indians. We lost four out of six last year to the Houston Astros. So three out of the five playoff teams, we we had losing records. Like, we we got beat handily during the season by those teams. The Yankees... We won that season series. That's a divisional team, obviously. Ten games to nine. And we happened to get that last win in game 162, the final game of the season, to basically win the season series. And I don't know how much each team was trying because the the division was set and they're both basically, the Yankees are trying to line their shit up with the wild card and then hopefully games one, two, and three of the ALDS and, you know, the Red Sox are probably resting people. So, but the point I'm getting at last year is we sucked against really good teams and we beat all the bad teams. That's how we got to 108. We beat the shit out of bad teams. We did our jobs in those games, but we did not beat the the good teams. And I didn't think we were going to go far in the playoffs again because I didn't have the foresight to know that, Alex Cora was going to utilize the starting rotation in the eighth inning 
like he did. And and he was brilliant. And I, I think Alex Cora deserves a huge amount of credit for that World Series win because if this was John Farrell managing last year's team on John Farrell logic, I think we do lose to the Yankees. I don't think he's smart enough to manipulate the late innings the way Alex Cora did. So credit to Cora for that. And, and that ultimately got us through the playoffs. But like I said, we didn't play well against good teams. And I wasn't a big fan of the Evaldi signing. I, you know, I just, I, I've beat it to death. He just, he doesn't pitch well against good contact hitting teams. And I think $17 is a lot, you know, to, to give for basically a number four or a number five guy against most teams. And I just, I, I just wish we kind of learned from the other teams to kind of turn things over just a little bit, just a little bit. And I think that needs to happen here. I think here's a list of people that you you could, if you really want to shake things up and send a message to the clubhouse, get your heads out of your ass and maybe bring in one or two other guys to kind of help create a spark. I mean, Porcello, last year of his deal sucks. It's hard to replace a starter, but he's a guy that could get peddled. Bradley, you could peddle him. Holt, Moreland, Pierce, Nunez, Pedroia even. Just just shake things up. I mean, we've seen that happen early in seasons in past years, and then teams go on a run. The Twins did it a few years ago to get into the wild card. They gave away one of their best relievers and one or two other players, and they made the wild card. They went on a run, and I just think things need to be shaken up a little bit here. And if that has to happen next week, then let's do it. I'm not saying all of these guys, but maybe two or three of those guys I listed and, and just go with it. Call up a kid from the Myers, get Chavis up here. You know, I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? You know, normally Terry, I would disagree with you. I, I'm I'm a proven talent guy as far, especially because I thought we would come into this season and, and have a legitimate chance to repeat or at least trend that way. The way it's gone, it's 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 made me question that. Um, Pierce has not been good today. Uh, you know, made a good play defensively when the game was still in, in doubt, but then really, really hasn't contributed offensively. I think he's hitting like a basically not much better than Pedroia. Uh, he hasn't been good, um, so it's getting harder and harder. And 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 if you're going to make the the arbitrary move of cutting Swihart, I, I say cutting, but you know, people know what I'm talking about. DFA Swihart. I don't disagree with you. Bring someone up who's hungry. Bring someone up who doesn't give a fuck about anything else but making a name for themselves and is willing to do whatever it takes to do that. You know, people that a kid who hasn't been in Boston and who doesn't know what the team wants, you know, that particular player to say to the media. Uh, and, and Terry, we've been. I, I think we're nearing probably about a hundred of these together. So. I think you think this. You have to understand this is quite the uh, step for me because I, I'm a proven talent guy, but I, I I can't fault the thought that somebody that's hungry coming up new, fresh perspective could p- provide some sort of boost. And frankly, I would much rather that than some arbitrary DFAing of a guy who's a clear major league talent. Um, you know. So let, let me ask you this. 
Who did we give up in the Nunez deal? I can't tell you, and I'm sure you can't tell me. You know, and and he showed up and instant spark. You know, he, he that was one of so, his. So Nunez was uh, with the Giants at the time, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And that that was a trade deadline deal uh, on an expiring contract. So what we gave up was a lot, really nothing, uh, because. Uh, the Giants, I think, were on their way to 100 losses, and uh, he was one of the players they had earmarked to get rid of and, and for any asset. And then he hurt his knee at the end of the year, and he signed the two-year deal, which he's still playing under. But it was a nothing. It was a nothing. It was a throwaway. It was uh, they needed a spark. They had an issue. Um, I think what was that Pedroia got hurt, so they needed someone at second base. No, that and was, that was the guy they had. Sandoval, actually, Sandoval. Sandoval. Okay, so what? Okay, um, he wound up playing some second base, I guess, which is my recollection. Oh, he probably um, did because Pedroia didn't so, play in so, August that year. You're, you're yeah, exactly. So, so, um, you know, it's one of those things where that was that. That trade, the Red Sox won, in my opinion, as far as I can recall, and they wound up re-signing him. And although he was had a bulky knee last year, he got healthy and he was on a World Series team. He was on a historically good team. So yeah, he put Game One basically to bed in the World Series. But the the point I'm getting at though was when he showed up, he was hitting like 320. He was having one of his best years of his career, and it just it lifted the team, and it cost us basically nothing. So that's what I'm saying, you know, ask around, you know, get rid of get rid of Bradley, just get that money off the books or whatever, even if the return isn't great, and then go deal a low-level prospect for your the next Nunez-type guy. Go call Cincinnati and see if they still want to do the Puig for Bradley move straight oh, up. No. Well, who knows? I guess I can't knock that now, but, oh, God, I hate that guy. Um, uh, one name that keeps coming to mind, but it's it would be hard for it to happen this quick, would be uh, Encarnacion. Like he could be, he could be deadly. <laughs> you know, he would have to probably play first. Here's the problem with this whole line of thought, Terry. We've been so pathetic. We've been so bad. We're over the luxury tax. You can't add to a team that's trending the way we're trending. No. Or sound organization would do that. The thought would be, on the flip side, if we still suck in 60 games, you might want to strike while the iron's hot with some of the talent and reload so that... Look, the Yankees... We and I Look, no one hates a scumbag fan base like me, and that's what the Yankees fan base is. But I give them all the credit in the world three years ago when they traded... Aroldis Chapman and others for prospects, and then they famously re-signed Chapman. But they reloaded. They had one down year, and they were back because they identified that they weren't going to be able to do it. And I'm, I'm not. I'm getting really close, but I'm not quite there yet. But let's say we lose two or three to the Devil Rays, and let's say in a month we're still like eight games under five hundred. Could you imagine what you could do with trading Moreland, Pierce, both expiring contracts for a young arm prospect, trading a guy like Mookie who we clearly aren't going to be able to re-sign for, basically a potentially historic haul, a historic haul, um, 
uh, a guy like Porcello, who's an expiring deal. There's assets there that you could trade. And while maybe because of the World Series hangover, whatever the fuck is going on, we suck. There's a real potential that you could take the assets that are on expiring contracts and the guys you know you're not going to be able to sign and then flip them so that next year we're reloaded, just like the Yankees just did three years ago. Now, I'm not quite there. I don't want the Twitter fingers at me, like right away at the end of the podcast. But it's something to think about if we get into July 15th, I'm sorry, June 15th, July 1st, and this is... This thing's still going the way it's going. It's something to think about because there's no sense on beating your head against a brick wall when you have the assets we have, which would bring back the prospects we so desperately need. Yeah, I'm just, I just want to just, you know, that's fine. And, you know, you have to kind of look at the big picture anyway, you know, going forward. Um, but just shake it up a little bit. One last thing before we get to, to pitching matchups here, uh, and I'll, I'll have Liz uh, take us through that because that's her team, so I'm sure you know she's got a better pulse on them than we do. Um, but one last thing, I tweeted this out last night. I'm not on like the fire Dombrowski wagon, and that wagon isn't really a thing yet, but it will be a thing later on this year if things don't turn around. And I'm, you know, I I would be totally content bringing in some young nerd, you know, like a Lunau type guy or Hazen, like we gave up to the um, the Diamondbacks or or the next, you know, Alex Anthopoulos or whatever. Dave Dombrowski is a dinosaur in, in my eyes, and he's not going to build an organization. He's not gonna. He doesn't. He, I don't want to say analytics, but he doesn't. He doesn't understand value the way the the young guys do. You know, the younger GMs. You know, and and, and Stearns in, in Milwaukee is another great example. So I mean, hopefully, hopefully we don't let him really destroy this organization. We, I already hate the sale contract. That was probably an ownership thing anyway. So I, I guess I can't. Get on Dombrowski for that, but like I said, it's going to be a thing later on, and people are going to be calling for him, and it doesn't matter if we just won the World Series. And I'm not saying if it does become a thing, he'll definitely get fired this year, because he probably won't, but this is where it starts, I think, I guess is the point I'm getting at. I mean, I'm not going to just look. I, it, it's it's almost impossible to disagree. I mean, the way this thing's going. So at this point, I think I'm just going to turn it over to Liz and let her walk us into the goddamn execution that is going to be the devil race. Yeah, yeah. I really, I feel, I fear for you guys. Uh, but watch, they'll they'll come in and kick all and kick our asses. Like I, I don't necessarily see that happening, but the second I say that that's what's going to happen, uh, that's what's going to happen, and then I'll... Liz, Liz, I'll, I'll bet you $100. I will bet you $100 that the Devil Rays win at least two out of three in this series. <laughs> so uh, I feel that confidently about Devil yeah. Rays' ability to beat the shit. You know what I, you know what I vision, and I, I promise I will turn it over to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is the gladiator scene where Russell Crowe is like walking into certain death that that's how I'm visit, uh, viewing this series. 
So that's where I'm at with this thing. Which is completely hilarious to me, like, to even think that that's, like, a thing. But uh, but that's probably, you know, what's going to happen on top of the fact that it's difficult or it's going to be very difficult for them to prepare because, like you were saying earlier, with Snell with the injury, because they were going to face the starter tomorrow, or no, starter Friday, sorry, at, you know, whoever that is. I mean, it'll prob- they'll probably start, Cash has been starting a lot with, uh, I think his last name is pronounced Stenick. They'll usually come in and pitch the first, then they'll bring somebody in, whoever that is, you know, depending on how Cash is feeling, there's really no rhyme or reason so much to who the middle person is. They'll pitch usually four, three to four innings, depending on how it's going, and then they'll have uh, situational pitchers come in after that. That's kind of been the way the starter role has been used. But um, now with two starter roles, with Snell's very random and... uh, very stupid kind of injury uh, that he's uh, that he's gotten with that broken toe. Um, you know they're going to be facing that twice, and uh, it's going to be really hard for them to prepare. You know for for anything against them since they don't they're not even going to know until until the lineups are posted who the starter is, and they're not going to know how long that starter is going to be in in the first place. So uh, I feel like the bullpen is just so used to you know pitching. Uh, you know, multiple nights in a row, you know, and, uh, you know, pitching long sets or the ones with longer sets, you know, get that for a couple days. And it's so weird, like, how it's all run. And and I really applaud Cash, which I, I wasn't a hater, but I was definitely a, a big questioner <laughs> of him for the longest time. But now things finally are falling into place as far as his style and his vision, I guess. And uh, they did the same thing, you know, what you guys were saying, you know, uh, why not, you know, trade a couple of big names and get some young guys in there, get some some fresh blood, you know, so to speak. Because uh, that's kind of what happened when they got rid of Archer. You know, Archer had been something that was uh, talked about getting traded for a long time, like every year. Like even like the year after they signed him to his five-year deal, they're like, look, they might trade Archer, they might trade Archer. And uh, then they finally did it, and who'd they get? They got Austin Meadows, who's probably... Uh, I wish he was a rookie so bad so he could get be up for rookie of the year, but he's not, unfortunately, for him. But um, but he could be, you know, a, black, a dark horse for MVP. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Like probably not. You know, with Mike Trout in there uh, and everything. But but uh, but Austin Meadows and then Tyler Glass now, who's been you know pretty much lights out. Like he he is so dominant and it, it's so fun actually to watch him pitch. Um, and uh, the Rays were truly the winners in that trade. And then, of course, we got rid of Longo, face of the franchise. Everybody's like, oh, my God, we're getting rid of Longo. You know, what the hell? And um, I don't think we got particularly necessarily a lot for him. I know we got Christian Arroyo, maybe somebody else. I can't recall right off the top of my head right now for some reason. But um, but that shook up the organization. You know, it enabled them to bring up some young guys that were hungry. And uh, that apparently was the, the change necessary, you know, having those old, old, you know, people or older, more uh, seasoned players sitting around, you know, just batting in the 250s, you know, maybe 280, you know, if they were lucky, wasn't doing us any good. So, so they got rid of them. Uh, I think y'all's best chance for a win is going to be, you know, with Price on that Sunday game. Uh, he's facing Morton. Morton's been good. Uh, you know, but, but Price being back in, uh, Tropicana, I mean, it could go either way for him. It could be, uh, where he's 
you know, reverting back, you know, to the way he was then, I, I don't know. But I, I really feel like he's going to be your best shot. Um, but if our hitters, you know, study him enough, you know, it, it'll 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 be a shutout. So we'll see. I, I'd like to chime in here with a deep level of analysis. <laughs> blowout, blowout, blowout. Go Celtics, go Bruins. <laughs> let, let me just say one thing here. You, you're correct on on Meadows. The guy is absolutely mashing right now, hitting three forty nine, four twenty three OBP, six eighty three slugging. He's got six bombs already, seventeen driven in. I mean, that's phenomenal. You know, for the first month and that Archer trade. That's a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. Just shaking it up and. The way it's looking now, that could be one of the best trades of the last decade or even longer because Meadows right now is an MVP candidate. He'll probably be top 10. And then Glass now is a potential ace. You know, like they they made out like bandits with that trade and that's probably going to be a big reason why they win the division this year. So... You know, that's a really smart front office. And you also got Tommy Pham, too. I think that gets lost. I uh, mean, he was a top player yeah. in, in the Cardinals organization. And I just, I'm not surprised. And last, what was it, mid-July, if you told me the Rays were going to win 90 games, <laughs> I would have said you're out of your mind. And Jeremy and I, I remember during the picks, you know, and we, we basically said we couldn't discount the Rays possibly winning the division, but we felt like it was a long shot. Now I'm like, I wish I was more courageous. <laughs> I really do, because, I mean, I'm pretty intrigued. I mean, they got Avisel Garcia over the winter. He's hitting 310 right now, 365, 466 is his slash line couple home runs you know i just so many good underrated moves this is the 2008 race and and one final thing here when friedman went to los angeles i thought to my and then madden left i thought this is the end of that franchise forever they're never going to understand they're never going to bring in somebody who understands how to build a juggernaut in a small market you know like those guys did and it's happening right now it has happened, you know, so I don't know. And like Jeremy said, blow out, blow out. <laughs> Maybe we sneak out of there with a one win, which would be a net loss of one game, you know, and all. But Well, geez, Terry, uh, I didn't expect you to be so positive. <laughs> I just – oh, did you say sweep then? I – I mean, do you think they're going to win a game? I don't know. I mean, the sun shines on a dog's ass, you know, every now and then. I I am so sad that I'm going to be driving for the first game. At Well, I, I hate to say that I'm sad because it is going to be an epic trip. We're going to Charleston to see Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds, whether or not you guys are familiar with them or not. I don't know, but it's a bucket list concert for my husband. So I have to appreciate it. It's going to be awesome. But I'm going to be at that concert on Saturday, and then I'm going to be driving home on Sunday. So I will miss everything. I'll just try try to have to listen to it, and then of course catch the highlights. Uh, you know what, Liz? That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I, I think I, I should suggest to management 
that we go on a field trip to like places <laughs> where they don't have Wi-Fi. Because <laughs> we're gonna end up I in mean, straight jackets at the end mean, of the weekend. I'm gonna tell you right now, if if I'm watching the game on Saturday and it's like six nothing and they're kicking the extra point, I might just get in the old minivan and just go for a lap around Florida. <laughs> just go out to the Everglades, Jeremy. It'll be just hard. be like, just be like, kids, you know, put on Paw Patrol because Dad's going for a ride. You know, it's going to last fifteen hours or more. This, this is so. I mean, this is just pathetic. And by the way, uh, Terry's right. Both Terry and I identified that the Devil Rays are a good baseball program. We thought that the overall talent level of the Red Sox and the Yankees would would at some point be too much but i think i i think i had it at 98 96 like 93 as far as red sox yankees devil rays so obviously the red sox are not going to win 98 games that's laughable uh and i don't think the yankees are going to win 96 games but the devil rays win in 93 seems like i could be right on or actually underestimate it uh so uh in other words, credit to Terry and I for seeing the bigger picture <laughs> with the double race. Uh, I, I figured they'd come in behind the socks as the wild card and then probably end up, uh, you know, beating them and moving on. If, if that was even like a thing, I don't know. I like they did in 2008, I think. Isn't that what happened? If I remember uh, correctly. You guys won the but, division. Um, Division, yeah. Yeah, you guys won the uh, division that year. So, so, the, so the, op- the opposite of that, I guess. But, um, but yeah, the, the, they they definitely, at least for the last for last year and and then seemingly, you know, in the offseason this year, you know, are, are doing a lot of things right. And I hope, you know, that they hang on to some guys, at least for a little while. Like, I get it. Like, our model isn't to keep around the same players for years and years and years. And uh, and everything, but it would be nice to see some of these guys uh, mature. Derek, uh, I think his first name is you know, Brandon. Brandon Lau, oh my God, like he he's been hitting amazing. Yadi Diaz, the kid we got from Cleveland uh, for Jake Bowers, who I was like, oh my God, they're getting rid of Jake Bowers. That really sucks, you know. But he's been he's been killing it. Uh, G Man Choi, totally random dude, you know, that uh, is playing first for us has been doing really awesome. There, there really isn't a player on the field. Even, even the catchers are 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 doing fairly well. Um, you know, that's that's not doing well. So uh, I'm excited for them. I mean, I I hate to bring up attendance of the games, and I'm sad to say I've yet to be at a game this season. So shame on me. But um, I just hope the that the public comes out to support them. You know, at least at least a little bit. Like, you know, we don't need to sell out every game. We, you know, we're not we're not that team, but. But I mean, you know, come out, you know, give us, give us fifteen thousand a game, like that would that would be nice. Let me uh, let me make a confession right now because it's it's hour and thirty eight, and we're literally going to wrap up here in a minute. Um, but I want to do it now, you know, because you know, less people in theory will be listening. When I picked the Red Sox to get into the wild card. That really was a cop-out, and full disclosure, if we were making our picks again, you know, knowing what I know now, I still would have picked them to, to you know, get in the wild card, but I just like I, the same reason, you know, I, I wasn't courageous enough to pick Tampa, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't not 
put the 108 win defending champs into the wild card. I just couldn't do it. I so I copped out. <laughs> that's that's what that was. And uh, well, and honestly, that's what's so puzzling to me. I don't understand how the same team that won. 108 wins in the World Series last year, essentially the same team, you know, is coming back and doing absolutely nothing. Like, it's not like your pitching is dominant and no one's hitting, or everyone's hitting, but the pitching is just lacking. It's not like half the team is doing fine and the other half isn't. It's everybody, like we've said a million times, or you guys have, you know, everybody's sucking. Like, there's not just one thing that's wrong. There's multiple it's, things. And it's, it's systemic. Just, it's systemic. Yes, but, but, what, but what changed? I just, what the shape? bullpen, we didn't replace Kelly or Kimbrell. I, I've just, the bullpen no. I thought was going to sink us, and I just, I didn't have, right. I didn't have the faith that Sale was going to pitch it a full season. I just never, I never. Liz, the, the, that. the answer to your question directly is it's a, again, systemic issue. Everyone has sucked except for JD, Xander, and Price. And all the credit to those guys for doing what they're doing. With with literally a goddamn dumpster fire of hand grenades going off around them, so I mean it's it's honestly pathetic. Benintendi has, you know, for example, that guy has fouled a ball off every part of his body at this point. He's he, he's like a got he's been in like car accidents of foul balls. I don't blame Benintendi. He's been beat to hell. Everyone else can just go to hell. They all suck. Well, they're all they're all underperforming. Every single one of them. It's 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 honestly pathetic, and it is a quintessential situation of a team winning and then laying back on their morals. Um, and I don't even think that it's just the Red Sox. I think I think it's the the fact that this city wins at such a high level. The Red Sox walked in thinking they were just going to continue to win, and then it got hard. And they've gotten worse, not better. And it's a problem. It's a big-time problem. Now, with that said, prediction time. Sox make the wild card. Get into the playoffs. Still think it. <laughs> I don't think so. Still going there. Still I, going there. Terry, 100 bucks. Sure. Yeah, fine. But All right. Liz? I could be Liz, on the hook. you're a witness because I don't know that anyone's still listening. Uh, but we got a hundred bucks on it. I got the socks making a wild card, and uh, Terry, I'll take that hundred dollar, a uh, hundred dollars a very specific way. Once you lose, it we'll could end up. It. it could end up being a push though because of our other bet. But um, yeah, I was just gonna. Yeah, that. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. The Indians are winning the Central. It's uh, not, let's I don't not get ahead of ourselves. Kluber and Bauer are gonna be pitching for other teams here pretty quick. Um, uh, yeah, but just to reiterate, I just I didn't think the bullpen was going to be there, and I had no confidence in Sale. I hated the Evaldi signing. I just didn't have the balls to say the defending champs wouldn't wouldn't make it, and it was an optics thing. I couldn't. I didn't want to infuriate the the you know the listeners. I copped out, but but officially on the record, you know the Red Sox in the wild card is. If if we only win seventy games, you know I picked them to make the wild card regardless. So um, they're not Terry, Terry, <laughs> Jeremy, Terry, Terrence. <laughs> I'll bet you. I'll bet you five thousand dollars they win more than seventy games. That's like I think I made forty grand last year, so I'm definitely not going there with you. But um, 
I just, I mean, you all right, fine. Another another hundred. Nah, uh, we're good. Come on, man. On, on, on the Red Sox winning more than seventy games. Oh, oh. that is rich. So, I'm come not, on, I'm not. No, okay, and it's it's entirely possible, if not still likely, that we will. So don't let me. I'm I'm not saying we're definitely going to be that bad, but I'm. But I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, and. A million years, you didn't think we were going to be six and thirteen. Like that's a bad record. That's an ugly record. That's a that's a Miami Marlins record that we're paying two hundred and twenty seven million for. So we didn't think we were, it was going to be this bad. So I'm certainly not ruling out. Do you think they're going to be over five hundred? You think they're going to be eighty two and eighty? It's a long shot. I feel like uh, hundred dollars. No. You're a Go compulsive ahead. gambler, man. Come on. Uh, of course I am. So I mean, but yeah, I'm not the one spewing this nonsense. You don't think you're going to finish above 500? Not. I, we're we're about to be possibly 10 games out of the division right now. So what would that make us? We'd be seven Barry, and hundred hundred dollar another hundred dollars. They finish above 500. If above, we, not 500. Above. No, 500. I'm not taking it. I'm. I'll take the wild card. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. Then that's the point. I'm not confident on. You find out how people really feel. You uh, don't think they're that bad, so so you know they're going to finish over five hundred. I hope they do, but on April seventeenth, I'm just not confident. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make that bet on April seventeenth. And if we make it on June seventeenth, it's probably. I just I'm just not confident. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I owe you a hundred bucks because we get into the wild card. I I I'm not I'm not worried about. Well, this thing is it was completely off the rails. Let's pray uh, <laughs> that we we win two or three of the double rays and survive in advance to the next fucking series. That sounds excellent. And just for the record, everybody says everybody says, "Oh, you're just happy, you're right, and that they're sucking or whatever." No, I'm not because we need the team to be relatively competitive for this show to be you know successful. So, of course, I'm rooting for the Red Sox here. Terry, come on. You know that the fans are not going to stop watching the Red Sox and listening to the podcast just because the team sucks. Uh, uh, Liz, well, that's a real present danger. No. I, I mean, I mean, they might stop listening to the podcast because they think that you guys hate Pedroia or some other arbitrary reason. I don't know, but, but they're I really gonna... don't think the success of the team is going to... Liz... I mean, they don't stop going to the games, do they? Well, they don't stop of... watching them on TV, do they? Listen, they're going to listen. They're going to listen because you're a co-host. Is ultimately uh, why that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go. Hear me, hear me ask you guys all these questions that I don't know the answers to. <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. I'll tell you what. Let's go to bed. It's uh, it's later than normal, and uh, but we right. we had a lot to cover, and I I think we we nailed it all. So. Um, so let's uh, hope Liz doesn't get to rub too much into our face come Sunday night. And uh, two out of three. Keep your DMs something. open, fellas. Keep them open. I'll be watching <laughs> it on my phone. There you go. She's got my cell phone now. Oh, God. So I'm, I have some concern that I'm going to be chirped and I'm going to say something I don't mean or maybe I do mean. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, if they get swept... This could be the last time you hear from me on this fucking podcast because I don't know how I would handle it. I mean, I'm being honest. I could go child on the whole thing and just be like, fuck this whole process and just go zero dark 30. 
So, um, if this is my last podcast, it's been fun. Uh, hope the Sox win at least one game, and I'll be back. Otherwise, uh, you know, I, I really don't even know what to say anymore. It's it's just been such a pathetic start. And by the way, last thing, the right. fact that they were still talking about like they went into that opening day embracing repeating is now laughable so that's my last comment good night it's bye hysterical good night good night night Liz. Night. good night well episode 125 or 126 i always i i don't i don't know what episode it is but I will when I upload it. So um, Red Sox sucked. Impending doom facing one of the best teams in the league for the next three games starting tomorrow in Tampa. So um, brace yourselves, people. It uh, it could get worse, but hopefully, hopefully it'll get better. Who knows? We'll see you Sunday night uh, to wrap the series, preview the Tiger series. Take care. The kind of old family, wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation, it's a kind of insanity. I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I sleepwalk. October